Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. Thank you for joining me. I've got another guest and this time we are talking all things money and I've been intending to do this for a while but now it just seems like the right time to do so, especially with everything going on in the world. I have Jax Opaku. He is a financial education guru, I'm going to say. He is a professional (laughs) investment manager, a fellow podcaster too, and the founder of JAX Financials, which is a financial guidance platform. Welcome, Jack. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, very good. Not too bad. Can't complain. Good. So um, the reason I actually wanted to tackle this particular topic or just money specifically was because I came across these statistics um i was online and i just saw these statistics which scared me a little bit so i was on a website called finder.com finder.com is a personal finance comparison website and one of the statistics they said they found is that one in 10 british adults have no savings at all whilst three in 10 have less than 600 pounds in savings Which to me is at this time, I found a little bit scary because a lot of people are facing losing their jobs. A lot of people are being furloughed. A lot of people, you know, there's, it's just an uncertain future at the moment. And to me, the thought of having no savings at all at this particular time is so scary. And I can imagine so many people are facing this reality. Um, So I thought we, we would talk about money a little bit as you are finance somewhat finance guru can i say that yeah you can say that (laughs) (laughs) so before we actually get started and get stuck in can you tell me a bit about your journey into the finance world and how you became an investment manager yeah sure so um as you correctly said my job title is investment manager um and i've been within the industry for about seven years the journey began probably from a level so i studied maths economics and media studies at a level I went on to university. I went to Loughborough University um, and I studied economics. Um, and then I went on to you know, do a master's degree as well um, in financial economics and applied economics as well. Nice. But my journey into the industry wasn't, it wasn't so smooth. I think majority of people that work, we either within you know, investment banking or investment management, they tend to follow um, a route where they go to university, perhaps do some internships, maybe an industrial placement and then they you know go on to doing these graduate schemes i didn't get that um so my journey was very very different much more difficult but it's part of the journey okay and what were some of those difficulties if you don't mind me asking yeah so um when i graduated i graduated um in 2013 for my master's degree and yeah unfortunately i just didn't get onto a graduate scheme it's very very disturbing um very tough period of my life and I didn't really know why. I didn't really understand why. Um, I went to a lot of you know, interviews. I went on to um, the final stages, you know, when you apply for these graduate schemes or um, internships, you normally go through a process of, let's say, five stages. I got to the final stages of all of them. And then for some reason, at the final stage, I didn't get It just get wasn't them. So working out. Yeah, it was very, very sad. I, it was a tough period. Um, so look, looking back now, would you say, mm-hmm. would you say it's worked out for the good that I did and things didn't pan out that way? Or are you still kind of hung up? Like you're still like, why didn't it work out for me that way? <laughs> well, now that I'm grown up and now that I'm experienced, I know why. I know why I didn't get those um, graduate schemes. So that's a lesson learned and something I can also pass on to people that come from my background. Um, and no, I think it's all part of the journey and I think it's part of my story and it helps me to, you know, do what I do. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, in a very good position now and yeah, there's many you know, routes to Rome, they say. So yeah. I'm in Rome but, right now. So. <laughs> and I mean, finance is one of the most competitive, most difficult industries to get into and to excel in, um, yeah. and to you know, succeed in because, you know, the, the composition is so high. So yeah. there's something to be said about you and how much you've accomplished, regardless of whether you're able to get into, into those schemes. Yeah. I mean, you know, going back to those um, graduate programs and, you know, the assessment process, 
I remember getting to an assessment centre and um, sitting in a room with five candidates, for example, that have all made it to the final stage. And first and foremost, I'm the only person that's black. Um, secondly, these guys all went to Oxbridge. <laughs> so mm. the competition is fierce. And, you know, you're facing someone who um, doesn't have a mentor, doesn't, you know, first person in my immediate family to go to university. In fact, wow. probably from my family as well. So I just didn't really know what I was doing. I was freestyling. So that's why I didn't get it. I realized why I didn't get it much later. Um, but, you know, again, it's all part of the, the journey. And I appreciate those times. Yeah, for sure. Once you then got into the industries, I mean, I've heard from people that, that work in that finance industry that it can be cutthroat, you know, it's long hours. How have you managed to want to deal with that, to deal with the pressure of just the nine to five or probably nine to seven, if not more, and just everything that, that yeah. goes on with it? Um, so how I see it, um, I was quite lucky in a sense that I didn't really know what investment banking was and I didn't even know what investment management was. I just knew that it was something that people do that, you know, are interested in finance. And I knew that it paid well, let's be honest. Um, but luckily okay. for me, I fell into so, <laughs> so, so you went into it for the money? Well, not, not necessarily. Um, okay. I just knew that I was good at finance. I was good at economics and I enjoyed economics. And I knew, in fact, I actually wanted to become an economist at first. So that's what I should really say. And then um, as time went on, I realized what investment management was. I didn't really know the difference between, for example, investment banking and investment management. Um, and luckily for me, um, I fell into investment management and I very much enjoyed it. Now, investment management is, I would say, less hours. So we don't do the typical, you know, 12-hour shifts, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, it's the typical, let's say, 8 o'clock to maybe 6 o'clock. Even though it's still quite a lot of time, it's not as demanding, in my opinion, in terms of hours when it, when it comes to comparing it with investment banking. However, when it comes to, you know, how cutthroat it is, how stressful it can be, um, how demanding it can be, they are on the same level because we're yeah. dealing with money. And as you probably know, you know, money, money is a very important thing in people's lives. It's important to our clients' um, business. So, yeah, it, it is really tough. But I think it's understanding where you are and understanding who you are and understanding that you deserve to be where you are. And yeah. in life, you can only ever do your best. Something I, I learned. You can only ever do your best. You can only ever improve. And if you ever, you know, be in a position where, or find yourself in a position where, you know, you might have, you know, made a mistake. The question you have to ask yourself is, you know, did I try my best? Um, am I mm. continuing to learn? And you know, am I going to learn from this mistake? That's all you can do. But I also say one thing. I think it is very important. And you know, praise God that I had a very good manager. I think it's very important. And something I do advise young people when they join the interview absolutely to, you know get a, a to get a mentor or something called a sponsor as well at your workplace because they can really really direct you and you really need it you really really do need it so yeah and that's and why can, i had i had a great manager yep. and they can serve as a mentor a like manager, when you find somebody um, when you find somebody yep. that um cares about you and your development and your growth um as a professional that can you know make such a difference to how your career goes yeah, yeah i totally agree i think they, they can literally be the difference between how well you do in your career and how well you don't do in your career you know whether it comes to just the practical side or even the psychological side and the emotional side i think i had a manager that allowed me to make mistakes um as long as the mistakes were not <laughs> detrimental <laughs> yeah um, you know it was okay um but then hmm, he would never put me in a position where especially early on to be in a position where i can make a mistake that can really really hurt me which I did by yeah. the way so again it's all part of learning from mistakes and moving forward absolutely yeah. now can we just dive in a little bit into the finance of things with everything going on at the moment um so yeah. I'll say a lot of my listeners are between the ages of 20 to maybe 35 and we're all in that stage right. where we are thinking about investing thinking about building our wealth whether that's for ourselves potentially for our children for those that do have children yeah. and just looking into the future and what we're trying to build yeah. yeah now for yourself what would you say what do you typically advise people in terms of we're thinking about investing into the stock market property investment mm. or just yeah. general cash interest savings because there's so much information it can be confusing it's a lot help us <laughs> <laughs> so you know 
finance is an amazing thing, um, especially especially personal finance. Now, of course, I specialize much more on the investing side, but you know, I myself have been on what I call a personal finance journey for about five years, where you know I wanted to um, move from a place of being in debt um, into a place of financial independence or financial freedom. Now, one thing I will say first for anybody listening is that personal finance is personal. Um, and unfortunately, one thing I have seen or, or realized is there's so much information online, some are fact and some are opinion. So it's, it's about trying to understand the difference between facts and opinion and also understanding what works for you. The reason why I say that is there are financial gurus out there that I listen to, very famous ones. For example, there's Dave Ramsey. There's also Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then you've got Tony Robbins and then you've got Warren Buffett. And one thing I've realized is all four of these people have conflicting views. <laughs> so, you know, for example, I'll give you some examples. So Warren Buffett, he's a stock market investor, probably the most famous. Um, yeah. And he will say, for example, don't invest in gold. And then you have someone like Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, who um, predominantly invests in real estate. And he likes to invest in gold, you know, so that's conflicting. And then you've also got uh, Dave Ramsey, who says you know, he hates debt. He absolutely despises debt. Uh, but then someone like Robert Kiyosaki says you should use that to basically invest right wisely, basically. So mm, use um, it to your advantage. Exactly, exactly. So one thing I'm I'm very very you know careful of is telling people to understand each one, um, each person's view. Whenever you hear something online, understand where it's coming from. I understand that you need to find the one that works for you, right? So for example, um, I don't particularly like debt, even good debt. Um, not that I don't use it, but it's not, it's not my favorite. You know, I'm not, I'm not someone who is very interested in, for example, owning 20 properties, for example. However, one of my closest friends, that's what he does. We're both, you know, financially aware. We're both financially, you know, okay. Yeah. But his strategy, his thoughts and his, and what works for him is totally different from mine because we have different objectives. We have different appetites towards risk. And we have, you know, different time horizons, which is how long do we want to take to reach a certain stage of um, financial freedom? So okay. I hope, I hope that's the foundation. That's the foundation. Really understanding that not everything that you see online, um, not everything that you hear is relevant to you, but you should use it all as a as an educational material. You can always educate yourself. Yeah. That's and just so pick and choose what you thought is relevant to you and your journey and where yeah. you, you want to be. Um, okay, yeah. so in terms of the stock market, as I've started to read a little bit more about it, trying to understand it more trying to build my knowledge around it. Something that has been a reoccurring theme, especially with the times that we're in at the moment, you know, the discussion of a potential recession that's looming. It's been said that during a recession, during a market crisis, it's the best time to invest. <laughs> yeah. It's the best time yeah. to put your money in and put it in for the long run because that's when potential millionaires are made. <laughs> is, is this yeah. true? I mean, um, for, for, most people, for most people, it's like, well, why am I going to invest my money at a time when there are job losses, there is, mm. you know, all of this going on, uncertainty? Why would I risk money at a time when I probably probably need the cash in hand the most? <laughs> very good. Very, very good. So um, some of the things that you have seen, um, there is a reason for it. Um, and the reason is, usually, if you look at the statistics, we look at the data, history, what you realize is, you know, whenever we experience a recession or something that's even worse called a depression, um, we normally come out, right? And we always come out stronger. Yeah. And what happens in the stock market is when there is a recession, usually the stock market drops down. And remember, the stock market is just a market where you can buy shares in companies, right? Um, so if you can buy shares in good, solid companies, um, that have been maybe there for a very long time. They, you know, they're going to be there for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. But now you can buy those same shares in those companies for a much cheaper price than it's logical to do so. Right? Yeah. So that's why they say so. That's why they say, you know, it's the best time to invest is usually during a recession. Um, for example, the last recession that we faced, our generation, was the great financial crisis of 2008. Um, since then, if you invested in a in a stock market in a well diversified um, portfolio of assets, let's say the S and P five hundred, which is the largest five hundred companies in America, 
you would have almost quadrupled your money, right? So wow. that, that's where the, the thoughts come from. Now, nothing is ever black and white like that. There's different things to consider. Of course. Um, but what, what you said, uh, you said something that I found very interesting was, you know, should you risk money that, um, that potentially you might need, especially if people are using jobs, etc. So this goes back to personal finance. And this is something I want everyone to remember. Um, and to write down possibly there is a journey you have to go on right um before you even start putting your money into different investments whether it's the stock market or whether it's for example property um if you have any bad debt high interest bad debt i'm talking about the credit cards um, i'm not talking about student loan not talking about uh what's the other ones uh, like a mortgage i'm talking about very bad debt Shopping, few- spending <laughs> on exactly. Gucci's that I don't need or that LV bag that is oh unnecessary, <laughs> but it's cute. <laughs> my thing is, if you're going to buy luxuries, um, do not use debt to buy luxuries. That's, yeah, that's one no. of the most serious things you can do financially. Um, not saying that they're bad, not saying you should use your own money to buy those things. I, you know, I like to buy nice stuff, but you shouldn't use debt to pay for luxuries. That's my opinion. Um, but if you've got this bad debt, the first thing you want to do is clear off those bad debts. Um, the reason is, you know, you might be paying in excess of 5%, which is most likely, um, you know, that's, that, that's the interest you pay on the debt. So why would you use, um, you know, why, why would you not pay off bad debt and then take a risk in the investment market? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, the, the stock market comes with risk. So you want to clear off that debt. By clearing off that debt, in hindsight, you've actually made 5% return. <laughs> you can you can see it that way. So clear for your bad debt, and the next thing you want to do is you want to save a cash buffer. You wanna you know people call it an emergency fund. Um, I, I don't really like the term. I, I call it I call it cash reserve. Some people call it contingency fund. Yeah. And essentially, this is an amount of money that you have saved um, for any rainy day. It is you know people say save at least three months to six months worth of your your salary or your expenses, either one. You can save as much as you want um, up to a year, in my opinion. So 12 months of your salary or 12 months of your um, expenses. And then once you do that, you don't want to continue saving. And I'll explain why. There's something called opportunity cost, which means if you continue saving, now your money is losing out on potential gains. Right? Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So the reason for that is we have something called inflation. Right. Inflation is basically um, it's kind of a measure of the cost of living, which means every single day. Right. Things are going up in prices. That's just how it goes. And the inflation rate, which is usually around two to three percent, means if you put your money in a savings account and you're not getting at least that two to three percent, your money is actually losing its ability to buy the same things as time goes on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes yeah. sense. So the longer it's in there and not doing anything and it's not growing, yeah. you are losing out on a potential interest. Exactly. In fact, your money is actually losing It's actually losing value. It's, it might seem like it's getting bigger by numbers-wise, but for example, you know, if you had £10,000 10 years ago, you would have been able to buy more things than £10,000 right now. Right, right. So they right. think it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, that com- it, it completely yeah. makes sense, but it's just, it's also mind-blowing because this is information that you typically are not taught. You know, this yeah, information I, that I mean, you have to go out and see. So it's a bit like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know I mean, that, but it's, it's good to know. <laughs> one, of, one of the biggest things I've uh, discovered in my adulthood is just how ridiculous some things in school was and how we were not taught certain things. I just can't believe that we're not taught about personal finance in this year. Yeah. We're not taught about mortgages, we're not, talking about, we're not taught about how to invest. None of these things are taught. So it's, it's really, really frustrating to, to realise this. But hey, that's why um, I do what I do now. Um, but moving forward, so we, we spoke about, you know, having you know, too much savings and, and not investing or not generating a high enough return um, that's at least equal to the inflation rate. It means we're losing money. So the next thing you want to do is actually put your money to work um, you want to, you know, invest in different things. And there are five asset classes, you know, there's, you know, we know property, property is a very popular one, especially yeah. within our community. So we actually call it real estate. Real estate is actually the, the right term to use. We have stocks, we've got bonds, and then we've got things like, you know, gold and oil and silver, etc. Um, so now you have to start building a portfolio of assets. So I think, you know, that's, that's why it's important to, to start investing. 
um, to actually sort of, you know, generate a decent return. But before we get there, we want to at least have all our bad debt paid off. We want to have a cash reserve, and then we can actually start taking a bit of risk with our with our money. Right? Does that and make sense? And then start investing. No, absolutely. So now that I've got the extra cash to start investing, what's the mm. next steps that I can take? What should people be doing or thinking about doing? And I guess the platforms they can be using to start investing. Because I mean, for, for somebody that may not be well, you know, educated in terms of where to find this information, it's yeah, like, yeah, which, yeah. which stocks do I buy? Where do I buy them from? <laughs> How much money yeah. do I need? Do I need a thousand pounds? Do I need 500? Yeah, that's, that's a very good. Obviously, the first thing you think about is actually where your money is going to go. Is it going to go in the stock market or is it going to go in things like property? Or, you know, actually, the, the truth is you probably want to diversify the portfolio of all different asset types. And different asset types come with the different characteristics. And I think we can go into that a bit later. But um, in terms of stocks alone, before you even get there, the first thing I would say for people is to try and understand, you know, what they are actually trying to achieve by being in the stock market. So actually having an objective. Um, I'll give you some examples. So I know someone who, you know, just gave birth to um, a baby girl and she wants to start investing for her daughter for the next 18 years. And that money is going to be used for the daughter's tuition fees or is going to be used for the daughter's um, first deposit or maybe to even start a business. So that's, that's an objective, right? Um, okay. And then you've got to think about you know, how much risk you are willing to take, um, how much risk you can take. That's really important because that determines the type of investments you actually make. Um, I'll give an example. If you invest in Amazon, that's much less risk than investing in let's say my business <laughs> if it was a business that you know was was trading on the stock market yeah so really understanding how much risk you can take is the next step and the last you know is a trio the last part of that trio is um having a time horizon so how long are you willing or able to lock up your money for right so very quickly it's about understanding your risk is about understanding whether you have a specific objective and then thinking about how long you can lock up your money for. And when those things, you know, write those things down and have it at the forefront of your thinking. And then you can actually start going into the stock market and, you know, trying to invest. Now, of course, if you're very, very new, there are things that you can think about. The first one is using what we call a robo-advisor or some sort of platform that does everything for you. So you don't actually have to do anything yourself. Okay, um, so can you give us an example yeah. of that? Yeah, so um, a, a platform that even I've used, I use it kind of for my long-term savings, is um, a platform called Nutmeg, right? So Nutmeg is a robo-advisor. They've been around since 2011. And essentially what they do is they ask you a series of questions, very, very similar to what I've just said. So they will ask you if you have a specific objective. They will ask you, you know, how long, you know, you're willing to lock up your money for or your time horizon. And then they will give you like a, a risk um, scale. For example, let's say between one and 10. And then you choose that. And based on those um, parameters, they basically form a portfolio for you. And all you've got to do is put in some money in every, every single month. And that's it. Oh, okay. so, you know, think, yeah, yeah. So the thing about stock market investing, you don't have to go in head first and start buying stocks left, right and center. If you know that the stock market is a good place, and by the way, it is a very good place to build wealth and maintain wealth, you can actually get a platform to do it all for you. So uh, all you like need to do is put your money in, then they do the rest for you. That sounds exactly. simple enough and great for somebody <laughs> who may not want to get into the nitty gritty of every single day checking up. Oh, has my stocks exactly. gone up or down today? Watching <laughs> the news to see what's going on or exactly. is there potentially exactly. a 20% drop in my investments? But the funny thing of what you've just mentioned is even when you are investing in individual companies, my advice to most people is don't check your account every single day. You will lose your mind. It's, 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 it's not sensible to check your account every single day. And it will actually cause you to make irrational decisions, emotional decisions. Yeah. So yeah, even as a stock picker, you shouldn't really be checking your accounts every single day. And something I've uh, heard people say, investment managers, and mm-hmm. is that if you are investing, maybe just think about it as I'm going to put this money in every single month and mm-hmm. it's for the long term. Like, like, you know, you were saying, having a timeline in your mind or thinking, I'm yeah. putting this money in with the intention of coming back to it in five years time or even eight years time or three years time. So thinking long term versus short term and expecting a return within the next two yeah. days, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, um, you, we, no, no one can tell you what's going to happen in the next two days. Short term stuff is very, very unpredictable. 
But over the long term, um, the stock market has been going up, just like property, just like most, like most assets. So definitely. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, there are some people that say, you know, they don't know much about the stock market and they don't even know how to begin and they don't. And I asked them a question. I said, well, what do you think your pensions are? You know, if you work for a company and you have a workplace pension, the chances are 95% of the time, your money is invested in the stock market in some sort of mutual fund. So it is something that's very, very important. And, you know, you don't check your pensions every single day. Well, you shouldn't, right? Yeah. You, shouldn't really, you should check it as um, often as maybe, I don't know, maybe every six months. Um, but your pension, you expect it to grow to a sizable pot to look after you um, over the next 20, 30 years. So yeah. the same mindset should be, you know, should be used when it comes to investing in your own portfolio yourself. And speaking of um, pensions, thank you for bringing that up because that was one yeah. of my topics I wanted to cover with you. So yeah. I think it was this year I attended a workshop. It was mainly for women and talking about investments or about wealth management and just mm-hmm. trying to get women thinking a lot more about where they're putting their money, how they're investing, how they're saving. Because mm. um, And one of the things that this lady said was, who was hosting the workshop, is that assuming that you live up to 85 years old and you retire at around 68 because really at the rate that we're going by the time we (laughs) will be 68 potentially 70 you would never know um and she said you need to be thinking about how much pension and savings you think you Mm -hmm. will need to live comfortably so for instance in order to receive an annual income at your retirement age of 31,000 a year mm-hmm. you're looking to at least have a total of up to six hundred thousand pounds yes. worth of savings and pensions which blew my mind because <laughs> yeah. when you think six hundred thousand pounds you're thinking wow that's a lot of money yeah. however when you then bring it down to um calculating it you know annually assuming you maybe live up to eight to five maybe ninety that's only £31,000 a year that you're, you're getting, or, you know, 31, 32, £33,000, which yeah, is yeah. not a lot. <laughs> and that, that scared me a little bit. So at the moment, what, what is some things that you typically advise people do to start thinking about the future and not, n- not leaving it too late to start thinking about it and calculating yeah. and planning? Yeah. The thing is, um, yes, you know, what you've just described is very, very true. Um, and, you know, usually when we talk about pensions and how much you need as a nest egg to live of a certain amount, you use something called a 4% rule. Um, that 4% rule basically means um, you look at, the, you know, let's say 600 grand, you work out what 4% is, and that's how much you can withdraw from your pension without, for up to a certain period of time um, without you losing all your money. Um, so, in fact, 600,000 would be like maybe 24,000, maybe 30. So, wow. um yeah so that's 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 why it's there now the thing is yes six hundred thousand seems like a lot um but that's why you know you might have heard this from you know maybe any uh, finance guru or etc is why we start young and that's why we need to allow compound interest to work in our favor the earlier you start investing the better because when you start investing at a young age you don't have to invest a lot of money at a young age to get the thing going to get the ball rolling um, you can invest, you can start from a thousand pounds now and do even a hundred pounds a month or even 50 pounds a month. And by the time you get to a certain age, you will notice just how much money you have. Um, that's, so that's, that's the typical advice that you would get anywhere. So you start young, but of course, not everybody's hearing that at the age of 18. Some people are hearing that at the age of 25, 35, 40. Mm. So it does depend on your age. Um, if you're older, um, the older you, you get, um, the more you need to take this even more seriously. Um, now, there are essentially three ways to kind of grow a nest egg. Um, and well, the first one is to start early. So time, time is a very, very strong contributor. The second one is um, contributions. So how much can you actually pump into the portfolio? And of course, that comes with understanding your personal finance and being able to save as much as you can and actually use that money to invest. And the third element is to do with your return. So a diversified portfolio over a long period of time, let's say 20, 30 years, will give you, let's say, a 7% return on average. If you mm. want to get a higher percentage than 7%, you want to take more risk. And perhaps you also want to, um, you know, maybe learn how to invest. You know, for example, me, if I'm looking at financial statements and I'm, you know, trying to pick good stocks, etc., um, I wouldn't do so for a 7% return. Otherwise, I might as well go totally passive, right? I might as well use a robo-advisor. So one way to actually, you know, potentially get a higher return than a 7% is to, 
is to you know, try and become a more sophisticated investor. So that's one. But you don't have to. If you're willing to start young and you know, you're willing to take a bit more risk, which you can do, by the way, if you're younger, then, then you should. But that's just when it comes to stocks. And also as an individual, I think there's things we can, you know, we can do to you know, potentially increase our ability to retire early. Um, or even early to retire comfortably even at the right age yeah. is you know, think about different ways of generating income so you can't just rely on um a, a pension or your or your nine-to-five or your self-employment for example i'm a nine-to-fiver um but i also have a side hustle which brings about a second source of income and within that business alone um you know there's there's other ways of generating income as well so for me it's also about finding another way to generate income. And I think our generation, especially, um, no one has an excuse to not have at least a side hustle. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, everyone, to each is their own. Controversial. <laughs> I mean, it, de- it depends what you're trying to achieve, right? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. You're right. Everybody has their goals and everybody has, you know, what, what their, I mean, I believe in purpose and I say everyone has what, what, why they're on earth, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to purely finance, it's all about the numbers, right? Um, and you know, to increase the potential of getting a good pot, um, it's about finding ways to generate income. So I use side hustles as an example, and I think it's the best way. Um, but also, even as an individual, and I might be going a bit off topic here, but I think this is important. If you are a nine-to-fiver or someone who has a, who has a job, a career, make mm-hmm. sure you are getting paid as much as you deserve. This is something that I think is really, really important because essentially money is just value and the way to get paid more is to become more valuable but also you want to be valued for the amount of value you bring to the workplace so okay. i know two people for example that work in the same sorry in the same industry one is getting paid let's say 40 and another is getting paid 60,000 um and i say well you know you both have the same skill set of course there are other contributing factors that might come in mm-hmm. but for example you can you can have a conversation with your with your employer and, and, you know, try and get, get paid more. You can also leave jobs. I tell people, look, for example, me, I change jobs almost every three years. Again, that's because I know that every three years I increase my value. It could be because I've taken a professional qualification, but by increasing my value, my salary doesn't increase at the rate of which I've increased my value. If I stay in the same company, usually unless I get a move to a different department or I become a manager. Right. However, if I move to a company, I can does that make sense? Yeah. So essentially sort of in investing in yourself in order to see that return in terms of the salary and promotions and moving up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still an investment. The number one investment you can make is in yourself. So um, it's just something I think is very, very important. And, you know, I've, I've just seen it too often where, you know, people are you know, working extremely hard, you know, looking for that promotion, trying hard to become a manager where you know they, they could have easily just move um i call it moving horizontally and just move into another company maybe a, a bigger company could be a smaller company but you know being paid for what you are worth start off by looking at you know uh, what the industry averages and ask yourself am i am i being paid what i deserve yeah and just questioning that and if not you might have to move you might have to move or <laughs> no seriously i mean it, it, you don't have to i mean i say it's not just about money right you know you might be comfortable at your workplace you might be close to your home all those stuff matter but i'm just mm. talking purely when it comes to, to your, your salary now for example i've got a friend who does this quite often he's done it a few times what he would do is when he realizes for example he's just completed a financial let's say a financial qualification in our field we've got something called the cfa for example um what he does is he actually goes out actively looking for a new role with no intention of actually moving. And then he would get an offer. I'm not saying everyone should do this, but he's done it and it's worked. He would get an offer and then he would actually present it to the company he works for and say, well, this company has offered to pay me X. Um, are you willing to match it, for example? So that's, oh, that's a strategy. Yeah. Kind of, mm. That's a good strategy, actually. Yeah, it, it works. I mean, you're, you're making them... C- compete for you because you know you are the commodity that they want and they value you they value the experiences that you have the knowledge that you have to bring to the table so it's you know how how much are you are you willing to to do to keep me yeah you you mentioned the key word value and that's what money is money is all about value so you know if you're more valuable you should be you should be rewarded for your value okay so we've touched on this a little bit but i want to kind of talk about it a bit more 
I was listening sure. to your podcast um, and one of on one of the episodes you spoke about parents using their children as their pension plan. <laughs> yes. And yes. I knew um, your mother. Yes. <laughs> and um, there's also the idea of the black tax that I want to talk about. Now, this yeah. is when the black tax is an idea that basically is about when, let's say, one generation is able to succeed and excel above what the previous generation was able to do. So, for instance, you come from a working class background, your parents yeah. earn a certain amount. Now, you're able to, let's say, you've got a degree you've got a master's degree potentially maybe a PhD and you're earning much more than they are and you're in a better position at an earlier age and what then yeah. they expect you to do is to support them financially um, because you yes. know maybe things may be a little bit tougher for them financially and you're able to support them and I, I have my own views on this but I want to know what you think <laughs> what's your thoughts on that well I mean obviously the black tax is is, is a real thing it is, it is what it is. And, um, you know, if you come from kind of my background, I come from a working class background. So, you know, my parents, are in my, I don't really know how much they earn, but I know for sure they don't earn anything in, in excess of, let's say, 30 grand um, or 35, let's say. And as you correctly said, when you've, you know, when you're of a ge- different generation, um, again, I told you I, went, I was the first person to go to university in my family. Um, it, you can quickly earn just as much as your parents in, in, in the early stages of your career. Right? Yeah. And if you progress, you can, you can easily earn more than both of them combined. So using myself as an example, actually, I got to a stage in my life where I realized, oh, crap, I earn more than both my parents' income combined. And it was a scary thought. And it comes with a very, very psychological pressure and emotional pressure for me mm. to not give them as much as I possibly can, Right. Because I love my parents, me and my parents, we get along and I would love to honour them as much as I can. Now, I have two, two different things to consider here, two things I want to mention. One is not everything is to do with money. Not everything to do is to do with money and not everything is to do with finance. And so, you know, it's something that you, you just can't put numbers and, 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 and say, you know, for example, oh, um, there's a black tax and it hurts. <laughs> it does hurt but yeah you know you know ta- this is, let me tell you about tax right now by the way financial education here one of the best things you can do in life is find ways to pay less tax that's just a bit of a golden nugget okay. but you know you only ever get taxed when you make a profit you know a lot of people fo- focus a lot about tax um and they forget they're not even making a profit <laughs> in the first place mm. so and you and you, you've got to just kind of see the black tax almost as a similar thing that you're getting taxed because you're doing well and it should be a blessing. Absolutely. Exactly. It's a blessing to be able to, you know, bless your parents with, with your income. Um, not just that you should bless your parents with, with everything and honor, honor them, but that's, that's more of the emotional side. And that's where I can't really put, you know, too much um, emphasis on numbers, but there is also reality. <laughs> there is also um, a financial reality where, it can become a bit of a drag on your performance as, let's say, an investor or, or someone who is building a, a financial future for themselves. For me, I think it's about general money, money management and understanding that, yes, you know, there, there is a place for them, but it has to be just one aspect of your money management. Yeah, so, right, right. Exactly. So if you're getting paid whatever sum 100 100% can't just go to them or something as large as 50% shouldn't go to them but it should be something that you can discuss with them to let them know um what your plans are any parent that loves their child <laughs> would want them to do well and plan for their future as well okay so it's about having that discussion having that conversation um and which is what I've done with my parents now yeah no I, I do give my parents um a, a bit of money but that's because I've moved back home <laughs> right Not just okay that, but yeah, and, and also um, it's about an understanding that at some point in their life, they're going to retire. I think that's when you can really, really add that. I think, I think right now, if you're not careful, you can find yourself building yourself a trap, which is this is where, you know, it gets a bit, a bit scary. You okay, need to be able and to, what do you mean by that? It's, it's one of the, those things in life is when you give and you give to someone consistently, it almost becomes a formality. Um, mm. when you are, 
someone when you, when you honor someone you want you want to be kind of recognized for it right you want you Absolutely, know usually yeah, of course um you want it to be you want to be appreciated but when you are doing a certain amount all the time it becomes a formality it becomes a tax <laughs> which is the, <laughs> yeah. the problem it, it becomes expected wanna, mm, and, and in life right you need to learn how to build boundaries right with love you need to learn how to build boundaries you need to learn how to build boundaries um with the right people especially the ones that you love otherwise you force find yourself in a, in a trap you know whenever someone like, has a problem mm-hmm. i feel like that's when that's where a lot of people struggle you know it can be difficult to tell your mum no you know she may be asking oh like my daughter i need xyz <laughs> for this is this my car broke down or um, I need to pay this bill. I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah. And you know, like of course, you have to like you should help your parents. Um, yeah. However, I think that like you're saying, there has to be boundaries had and oh, conversations yeah. had because it can be quite difficult, especially if you're trying to build. Like you're saying, you're you're trying to build your own future. Whether that's maybe you looking at saving up to buy a house or yes, yes. investing for the long term like you were saying, potentially saving up for maybe your future children or whatever it is that you're trying to do, it can then become become almost a hindrance to achieving those goals. And it's like, how, where do we draw the where line? Do you, where do you draw the line? <laughs> I think you, you've already alluded to it. I think communication is extremely important. I think it's a relationship, right? And relationships, communication is one of the most important things. Um, rule number one, Never let your parents know how much you earn. Rule <laughs> <laughs> number one: Don't let them. This know. is much I mean, as like you. You never tell them how much those trainers really cost. You know, uh, like, yeah. They'll ask you, "Oh, I like your trainers. How much?" <laughs> oh, mom, they were fifty pounds. In reality, they were one hundred and fifty. But you know, <laughs> that's something you, you're not going to disclose. Seriously, you you hit the nail on the head because they can't they can't fathom how someone can spend one hundred and fifty pounds on on let's say trainers. Um, and it's, and it's, I'll be honest with you, um, especially my community, my background, I'm African, I'm Ghanaian. Um, there's just certain mindset and traditions that are just not going to go. Unfortunately, you can't be speaking on them. You can't, you can never change their mind when it comes to certain things. I've, I've realized that. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things. So, and, and I'll tell you a funny story. There was a time where um, I printed out my bank statement. Um, I needed to do something, I think it was for some sort of transaction. And I was at my parents' house and I don't know how this happened. I, I, I really don't know. But I left the statement on the iron board in the living room. And so I, I went out and I came in. And, um, you know, as, as I walked into the living room, my mom was dancing, her African dances and singing praises to the Lord. And I thought, oh, she looks happy and it's good to see her. What's the occasion? Yeah, what are we what's celebrating you know, today, what's, what's, <laughs> what's happening? And, you know, she pointed um, to the iron board and I saw my bank statement lying there with my savings account. Oh, no. Oh, so it wasn't just like yep. your, um, <laughs> so, it, so it wasn't just the, what's it called? The, it wasn't just my like current account. bank account. It, it was, was an yeah. actual savings account. It was a savings account. Um, wow. And it, yeah. And it, I'll be honest, it was, it was about 30,000 pounds that was saved in there. Um, now, you know, 30,000 pounds to some people is not a lot of money. To me, it's not a, a huge sum of money, but it is a, pretty decent size of money yeah something that before, my mom had probably has never seen in the bank account before so she said oh jacks you've been doing well she's so happy etc etc and my heart just sank <laughs> my heart just sank but then again this is where communication comes in and i said to her you know mom this is uh, money that i've been saving since i graduated from university and it's, it's money that i'm going to save um to use as a deposit for for my home so at least then she knows that there's a reason for the savings. Yeah. There's a reason for it. It's not something that I'm saving so I can go and buy myself um, a, a nice car or, or go on a, a thousand holidays, etc. So I think that's where it comes in. It's about the communication. And I think, you know, any, any parent that really, really um, loves their child and understands what they're trying to build. Yeah. And just having, yeah. like you were saying, starting to have those conversations with them, especially when it comes to the whole pension um, and them retiring and then potentially looking at you as their second pension yeah, plan. Pension plan. <laughs> well, look, uh, I'll be honest with you, we, we are definitely part of their pension plan. Fact. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I've yeah, already that, accepted that. 
yeah, yeah, that's 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 not, that's not going on anywhere. But what you want to do is two things: one, potentially reduce how much you're going to have to contribute for them to survive somehow by being more proactive now, um, and two, for you actually to actually start planning towards that. Um, three is having a conversation with them. So I remember at the end of 2019, I was on the way back from church and I was on, in the car with my dad. For some reason, he jumped in my car, and we were talking about. And I brought it up. I said, "It's 2020, New Year, Dad. You know." Uh, you know, let's talk about pensions and you know is your company paying a pension and by the way some companies don't pay a pension they should so that's something i always tell people they should do should definitely yeah. check oh i um, thought that was a, a legal requirement th- there are parameters that you have to fit um before you start paying um i oh. can't remember them off the top of my head but majority of companies as long as they've got a certain amount of employees as long as they generate a certain amount of income they should opt um, employers in um so a, a lot of People, a lot of Africans, by the way, I've come across, I'm talking of my dad's friends, a lot of them have actually opted out because they think it's a better thing to do because they can get the money now. What they don't mm. understand is by opting out, first and foremost, you're losing out on tax benefits. And secondly, you're losing out on free money because the government has made it a legal requirement that 8% is contributed. That's 5% of your own salary and a 3% contribution from your employer. So you're losing that money. You're losing out a lot of money. You're losing out on tax money and free money from your business, or sorry, from your company. From your company, so, yeah, yeah, that's paying into yeah. it. Exactly, exactly. So, and my dad was like, um, you know, a lot of my friends are at the retirement age now, um, or, or they could have taken some money from the, the retirement pot, which is fifty-five, by the way. Um, us, we will have to wait to fifty-seven before we can touch our pension pot. Yeah. But you said a lot of them can't retire and probably will never ever retire until they pass away. And it was a serious conversation. I said to him, what about you? And he said, you know, I, I enjoy working. I said, nah, no, don't play games. <laughs> and I said, well, look, um, when you get back to work um, in the ne- next week, just make sure you have a conversation with your employer. Actually check your pension. I can check it for you to see um, if it's a, a decent amount. I can see where, where it's invested. Um, and then we can actually plan towards your future. You know, for example, my dad is building, he's building properties, et cetera. And how I, how I can help with that. So yeah, as, as his child, and again, as someone who loves my, both my parents, my dad and my mom, I would want to honor them. And, and you know, they've, it's, not, it's not just about money. They've done a lot in terms of bringing me up in a very, very tough um, society. I lived, I lived in a very rough area. Um, I didn't have any mentors, any guidance. And the only reason why <laughs> I didn't end up on, on the streets or selling drugs, et cetera, was because my parents were just way too strict. Yeah, and I would have got my ass whooped. So, <laughs> so you, you, so, were just, you were shook if, like, you knew I not to play those games. Yeah, I, I, I had a curfew. Whilst a few of my friends were out there doing whatever they do, I was at home playing my PlayStation. Right? Wasn't that so, the worst? Like, your friends are out, they're living their best life, horrible. they go from school, they'll be gallivanting till 7, gallivanting. 8 p.m. in the streets, and yeah. you have to be home by 3.30. <laughs> okay, people <laughs> are pushing it, man. <laughs> no, like, listen, because, because what, else you, are you, what else are you doing? Like, my, my family wasn't playing those games, okay? You finish school at 3, <laughs> by 4, okay, by 4, if you've got after-school club or whatever you're doing. Yeah, by 4, yeah. 4.30, you should be at home. What else are you doing? And bear in mind, because my school wasn't that far away from my house anyway. So uh, it would have taken me maybe a 10-minute bus ride, if that, and then a 5-minute And, and they know. <laughs> so really and truly, what else were you doing with your time? So you better be home. <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is it. But you know what? When I was, when I was younger, I thought it was a... You know, I didn't really love my parents. Well, I love my parents. But I didn't... I used to think they were the worst people in the world. I mean, what do you mean I can't go out? You know, mm. what do you mean I can't do this? Why can't I do this? But it's only as I've grown older, I realised they were all in my best interest. Um, now, you know, my parents were strict. Obviously, they weren't, they weren't too bad, so I, I was allowed out. But for example... You know, from eight o'clock, basically, as soon as it gets dark, you should be at home, right? Mm. If it's dark, you should be at home. And as someone, you get a bit more of a leeway. Um, and, and I praise God for that. And I thank them so much for that because, um, you know, there was way too much of an opportunity to do the wrong things where I grew up. Yeah, um, and was. that's very evident, you know, around the people that I, I don't really speak to anymore. I don't really see anymore. So, yeah, you know, it, again, you know, fi- that's what I say, finance is personal. It's not just about money. Um, there's so much more. In fact, the reason why, we should be, you know, taking our finances um, seriously. It's not because of the money in itself, but it's, it's what comes with it. The freedom, the, the ability to do things. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting that as you get older, you become 
your parents' parents. Like <laughs> I have, I've now become almost, I feel like um, I am my mother's older sister slash my yeah. mom's <laughs> guardian. You know, I'm the one that's like, okay, we're doing this with your money. I'm thinking about her pension, her retirement, her yeah. maybe just like not doing anything and me being her sole provider or whatever it is, you know, mm. like you, you become their parents or, or even just like educating them on, like you're saying, just educating them about their pensions, their finance, or just yeah. down to things such everything. as just, just everything, even just yeah, like yeah, how, yeah. how they think, like their, their views on life, you know, like. Yeah. There's just certain things I'm like, oh, mom, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah. They're so traditional, aren't they? They think, they think it is the same. They, a lot of them have, I wouldn't blame them, but they, they, they haven't adapted to maybe the, the new world or they don't really know how it works. So yeah. what, you, what you're saying is, is extremely true and a very, very hot topic is, is especially in my house, household now, and I'm sure it's quite popular around everywhere else is, you know, is it actually necessary for um, children to go to university, for example, and, and study X, Y, Z? Or, for example, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to become a footballer. It was a no-no for my parents. They, you know, they wouldn't even let me go play football on Sundays or straight to church. But now, for example, <laughs> they might be more, yeah, now they're seeing that, you know, there's actually a, a potential for, for um, um, young boys to actually become footballers. And you don't have to only play for Manchester United to be a successful footballer. So it's, it's about, you know, especially us guys that are, let's say, millennials, we, we actually form that. That, that link that allows them to see the world in, in, in the way they should. So I think it's... it's yeah, amazing. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but yeah, we do have to kind of open up those, those conversations. Um, yeah. I was reading a book recently and it was just talking about just pretty much being in your 20s and navigating your 20s and thinking about the future. And one of the things that it spoke about was, you know, at this age, you're starting to think about children Mm. And it dawned on me that at some point, let's say, you know, if you, if you do want to be a parent at some point is that financially, there may be a point where you are responsible for your children, mm-hmm. but you're also potentially responsible for your parents oh, as yes. well as responsible for yourself and maybe your spouse, your partner. That's a lot yep. to take in. And, and it just made me realize I need to get my ish together <laughs> because this adulting is not a joke. It's not a joke at all. And you have to be very intentional about what you do in terms yeah. of everything, but specifically finances and how you're spending money and our habits yeah. and just building a healthy relationship with money. Um, you know, because some of us are not, like you said, you said yourself, you know, we're not taught about finance and we have to go mm. out and seek this information. Um, what are some things that you would want people to take away from your your company, um, the JX Financial Platform? Um, in terms of tips or just, just what we do? Both. Um, so I created JAX Financial or JAX Financial, mainly out of, out of purpose, out of trying to educate. So what we do there is very similar to what um, a financial advisor would do, but we don't give financial advice um, because even though I think it's important to potentially have a financial advisor, I believe much more on the, on the education. Um, and the reason for that is I think we can, or I can impact um, the community or, and create a community of financially educated people by education, by education, not just yeah. telling them what to do. So you know, when someone says to me, oh, Jax, where should I put my money? I'm not going to tell them, oh, go and buy this mutual fund. I'm going to say, well, learn about mutual funds. Because then once you know it, um, and I, I, I just don't do it for you, you can pass that information on to your kids, to your, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your best friend, etc. And that's how we can build a community of financially educated people, which um, can go very far. So that's what we do there. Um, of course, I've got a bias when it comes to investing in the stock market, because that's what I've been doing as a professional and also as a retail investor. And again, the reason why I focus much more on that aspect is I think that's the aspect that's missing the most. Um, now, my company is not just for black people, for example, it's for everybody, but the majority of the people that I come across are people from my community. Um, and unfortunately, especially the stock market is somewhere or a place that's not really taught at all. I think property you, you can find within our, you can, you know, some, I know a lot of Africans and Caribbeans or, um, Asians that own property, but many people don't invest in a stock market because they don't understand it. Um, yeah, right. And unfortunately, there's also 
too many scams out there when it comes to this area. Some of them will tell you that they're traders and, and they should join their scheme, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I've done a study the other day and I found out that only 1% of investment managers are black. And wow, 1%. Yeah, only 1%. And that's, that's with, one in 100. Yeah. And that's within yeah. the UK. I can't remember. I, th- I, th- I think it would have been in the US, from if I'm remembering correctly. But I think the data is probably true for for the UK as well. It could be even worse in the UK, to be really honest. Yeah. With you. Um, well, we, we need to change that. We definitely need to be the generation that is taking up space, taking up space in finance, in education, in the health industry, everywhere. <laughs> this is the thing about certain professions that they're not just to make money; they're there to help you in your life. So, um, you know, Absolutely. one thing that I'm really thinking about is health as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, so that's what we do at Just Financial. We just educate people and we guide them. Um, you know, if someone wants to learn how to invest in stocks and they have no idea where to begin, um, I actually sit down with them in, 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 um, through, let's say, Zoom and, you know, share screen and I go through, you know, what accounts they should be thinking about opening, whether it's an ISA, whether it's pensions, whether it's junior ISAs um, or general investment accounts. We talk about, you know, um, how to make their first investment, talk about index funds, mutual funds. And if they're interested in investing in individual companies, we talk, we talk about how to actually go about valuing a company and, and deciding what, whether it's a good company to invest in, which all of these things are still quite subjective when it comes to certain things. So it's important for that person to understand where they stand as well, which is something that I teach. So that's what we're all about. I also have a, a, a social enterprise, which is the podcast as well, uh, which is Woke Finance and is a very similar business. And again, it's another education business, but the target audience is different. And the target audience is for the young, the youth, which is uh, very, very, um, is very dear to my heart because I think a lot of the you know, habits and education is picked up or, or is missed when you're much younger. So Absolutely, it's for, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's for the youth between the ages of 11 to 21, especially those that are underserved. And again, we provide education. We do, we do workshops and we have talks, etc. And yeah, we try to do it in a, in a fun, more engaging way than just bringing out some PowerPoints. Just to help and educate the youth of things that I think I missed when, um, when I was younger. You know, things that yeah. I had to wait to my mid-20s at least to, to come across. So that's essentially no. what we do. I love that, um, that, you know, you're starting from early um, and you're Ooh. tackling the issue before it becomes an issue. Um, yes, so that's, that's amazing. Um, in terms of the adults, and now we've accumulated all this information about where we can invest, how we can invest, what's the top two tips you would give us if there's anything that you would want us to know about investing in the stocks and shares market or any types of investing what would you say to us so one thing i would say is of understanding what, who you are self-discovery in terms of risk but my real advice would be just begin um you know people say oh i'm gonna wait to um, a certain age before i start investing some people say i'm going to wait until i have a certain amount of money before i begin investing now earlier i said you know pay off your bad debt have a cash reserve but once that's done I think you should just begin, um, but don't begin with obviously huge amounts. Um, begin with begin with um, small amounts and get some experience. Of course, you can be totally passive. As again, I said earlier, you can just use a robot advisor or a traditional platform that do it for you. But if you want to be a more DIY type of investor, um, even then you can start off with what I say um, index funds. So index funds are basically um, a basket of stocks that are managed by a, prof- by a fund manager for you. Um, and they're usually categorized by some sort of similarity. So, for example, you can invest in a technology index. So, I'm, for example, I'm big on technology as an investment. Or you can invest in a healthcare index. Or you can invest in um, the S&P 500, which is the largest 500 companies in America. That's probably one of the most popular index funds. And they're cheap. They charge you, I think, like 0.09%, um, which is like 9p for every £100 you invest. And you don't have to start off really big. Um, a lot of yeah. these platforms will allow you to invest small amounts. Um, I know Hargreaves Lansdowne HL, which is one of the platforms that I use. You can start with £100 to open up or to make the initial investment. But you can also set up a regular savings to go into that mutual fund or index fund of, let's say, £25 a month. It's not going to break the bank. Um, and if you want to become more active, 
um, I would still start off with some passive investment, but then use the time to educate yourself as to how to pick the, the best stocks. I'm understanding there's different types of strategies. For example, you can go for income, you can go for growth, you could do value investing, um, and actually use the time to, to, to educate yourself. And I, I'm, I'm big on that because the thing about investing in individual companies is um, it's not so much just about making a lot of money. Um, I think it, it's who you become. You become a bit more commercially aware. You understand why things happen. You know, when you read the news and you see something, when you accidentally change it to Channel 5 or 2, the Bloomberg channel, you're not too um, confused as to what's going on. It's, it's who you become as well. So, yeah. um, But the number one thing is education and to just get started with small amounts. Okay, great. I think that's, even if it was just this episode, was the last two minutes of what you just said, it would be worth <laughs> listening to. Um, and something I would say for me, like when I started to want to learn a lot more about investing and you know um, finance management um, or just wealth building was I downloaded an app and now for the life of me I can't remember what the app was called but I will try to remember what the name of the app is called and put it in the description mm-hmm. um, where it just teaches you about investing and um, once you've got the fundamentals down and you you've got the the basic knowledge around it, it lets you play a game. So it's almost like a, a live investment game where they give what? you, let's say, 10,000 pounds of like virtual money and mm. you invest in different shares and stocks and you you pick what you want. And what it mm. does, it just kind of lets you practice and know how how the game goes and you know it's, it's live so it mimics what is going on currently in the market so you know oh i invested in night today and tomorrow is going down or tomorrow has gone up by 20 yes. percent or whatever it is so it just kind of lets you get into that mind frame and practice before yeah. you actually start investing if you were more comfortable to do so um yeah. but yeah so before we end this conversation which has been amazing um i want to play a little game of my weird and wonderful random questions just so we can get to know you better before um, (laughs) all right okay so um the first one is what advice would you give to your 16 year old self if you could go back and talk to him um oh oh, younger jacks i used to have a tag name used to called blackjack so (laughs) (laughs) um I would tell him um, to watch the friends that he has, to really pay attention to the friendship group that he has, his network. I think at such a young age, um, you know, your your friends, your environment play a huge part as to where you go in life. So that's, that's, you know, something I'll just tell him to pay attention to. If someone's next to you and you don't want to be like them, you've got to find a way to love them from a distance. Just be careful. Okay. Um, what makes you happy? Um, seeing other people happy is is one of those weird things. I think Aww. someone's actually asked me this question before, um, and I had to think about it long and hard, and I realized I'm at the happiest in my life when I see everyone else might be happy. Just gets yeah. me really excited. Now the yeah. people around you, your family, your friends, friends, family, or even people I don't know. I just love seeing people smile and enjoying themselves. That's just yeah, gets me excited. This okay, you've just reminded me of something. Yeah, this is gonna sound really weird and kind of creepy, but yeah, there's crazy. a lot of like videos I'll come across um online or like TikToks of like people dancing. Yeah. But like in the most carefree, joyful way, and it just brings a smile to my face. I'm just like, that makes me happy. Okay, anyway, <laughs> this is not about me, this is about you. So what <laughs> do you wanna be remembered for? Ooh, tough question. And I, I want to be remembered for I've, yeah it's a deep question because there's so many things I want to be remembered for um, and it depends who's remembering me so for example I want my family members to remember me as the person who kind of keeps everyone together um, keeps everyone comfortable so okay. um, my, fam- my family will say you know when Jackson's around everyone feels okay that everything's going to be okay oh so that's beautiful yeah that's, that's my family in terms of friends yeah, it's, it's, I think the, way, the one way my friends would describe me is I tend to care a bit too much. So um, just remembered for how much I have, I've cared for people and changed their lives positively and the impact I've had on them. So, yeah. Lovely. And then what's the one thing that this whole coronavirus situation has taught you? Maybe about life, about yourself? Well, it, it taught me, well, I think I was becoming a more of a homebody as, I, as I've grown. So it kind of showed me that I can be a homebody and be all right with it. 
Um, but it also showed me that uh, family, family is one of the most important things. Um, one of the things I've done when this thing started is I actually moved back home. I think I, m- I mentioned it earlier. So I used to live alone and I've just moved back home. But I don't know how people that have no one around them are kind of dealing with not having people around. Um, yeah. Being around my family has made me very, very comfortable. But it's also showed me that all is vanity. And, you know, it doesn't matter what car you have, what, who you are, the most important things are, you know, friends, family, your yeah. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so what can we look forward to from you, the podcast, Jax, financials, <laughs> what's to come? I mean, I'm doing, I'm, I think I'm doing too much right now. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you are very busy, very busy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, JX Financial, I'll be doing what I normally do. I, I tend to have a lot of one-to-one sessions. That's kind of the core of the business. But I think as time is going on, I'm trying to scale and have do things such as webinars, um, et cetera. I've even started something that I think I'm quite excited about. I've started what we call um, a growth investment journey on YouTube. Uh, people have been asking me to jump on youtube for a very long time i didn't really want to so i've, I've kind of done it in a way where I, I don't really show my face but i kind of record the screen um and that's been going on for the past four days so it's very new oh um, nice yeah yeah and, and people people have really really enjoyed it um, because i'm basically making myself vulnerable um so you can see the investments that i'm making and you can see whether i'm making or losing money so that's really exciting um keeps yeah. me humble um, well we appreciate that because we're able to learn from your journey and exactly. you know see what you're what you're going through and learn yeah. from your mistakes but also learn from the good things that you're doing as well absolutely that's that's, that's exactly what it is regardless of whether i have a profession or not in fact a lot of professional investors you know are not great investors themselves so you know it's it's, it's not because i'm a professional um you just see me as a normal person just like you uh, we all make mistakes and we are, we're all emotional we're all human so yeah and in terms of world finance that's one thing i'm really really excited about um so essentially what we're trying to do now is go a bit more a bit more digital um utilizing platforms such as zoom where we'll be having a lot of uh, sessions with with the young lot and we want to especially when they're younger we want to get the parents involved as well um so they can see the value that we actually bring towards their towards their, their, their children and the youth yeah. So yeah, that's, that that's sounds sounds all great. Um, so where can we find you? Your socials? Okay, yeah. So I um I'm predominantly most on um, Instagram. You can just search for Jack's Financial underscore UK. That's my main page. I've also got the business page, which has got a similar name, but it's called Jack's Financial Education. You can also find me on YouTube. It's Jack's Financial TV. So I'm on Twitter as well. I think, and of course, um, that goes for Walk Finance as well. So Walk Finance is Walk W O K E Finance Team on Instagram, and yeah, if you want to know me more personally, I'm on, on the more professional side, I'm also on LinkedIn, and that's just going to be my name. So that's Jax Opoku. That's J A C Q U E S, and so it's Opoku O P O K U. Don't ask me why I've got a French name and I'm Ghanaian. My mom is very excited. So. Oh, well, thank you. I will make sure that all your information is in the description box. And for me, I want to say thank you so much for talking to me and sharing all your knowledge. I've learned a lot. There's a lot of nuggets I'm going to be jotting down and, and adopting. Um, and I'm yeah. sure the audience has definitely learned something as well. So thank you. Sure, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to go on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Of course, share it with your friends so that they too can join the money movement. And I will catch you on the next episode.